We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius. Mike is in transit. They go. They use the train to go from New York to Philly, so Mike's busy doing that. But we got a lot to talk about today. I am very excited. Anthony Davis returns. Prior to the game, Frank Vogel says that they're realizing that their personnel is more aligned with switching groups and he's switching more than he ever has in his career. Darius, this is a point of the season where with no big island, with you know no traditional bigs playing, with us switching a great deal more, with us getting healthy, this is the team that I've been babbling about for quite some time that I, I think that this is our us in alignment. I've been talking a lot about misalignments and things like that. And despite giving up 137 offensive rebounds to the Brooklyn Nets, they got a comfortable arm distance win, 106 to 96, on a night where, of course, they don't have Kevin Durant, they don't have Kyrie Irving, but James Harden was great. They have a lot of the high motor athletes, which got those offensive rebounds that usually give us trouble. And I feel like that same game, had it been played a month ago with less... It was played a month ago, Pete. It was played on Christmas. <laughs> there no. you go, right? Seriously, it really no, that's was. that's a great it, point. Yeah. It was almost the same exact game, except the Lakers had AD. Anyways, please continue. No, no, no. That was about it, man. But that's that's kind of the point, is that getting things in alignment allows you to screw some things up and still have some margin for error in ways that we saw in, in last night's game. There are two stats, and we'll get into this later, the offensive rebounds. There are two stats that people don't normally see as being related, but the opponent's offensive rebounds versus our transition points are one of them. We'll get into that more as the show goes on. But in just a grand scheme of things, D, this is this is the team. I would love to see Kendrick Nunn in Avery Bradley's spot in particular, but this is pretty much it. This is the healthiest we've been all year. Things are in place. What did you think? I was laughing during the thread. A little bit last night because you were exhibiting a little bit of frustration oh. with some things, especially during <laughs> the third quarter. The Lakers revealed themselves as like the Scooby-Doo mask was pulled off again. And it was uh-huh. just like, ah, and uh, the same guys. No, like, 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 not oh, even trying. <laughs> like it's you. It's you again. And so the Lakers in the third quarter looked 
lethargic. They looked like they had let their foot off of the gas, and suddenly it's a one-point game. And then Mike started laughing because suddenly LeBron was just bombing jumpers again, and then that one-point game was a three-point game, and then like a five-point game, then an eight-point game, and then, oh, suddenly it's ten again. And it was in the blink of an eye as quickly as, well, the Lakers slowly, because they were moving slowly, Slowly Mm -hmm. gave up a lead and then quickly got it back, which is um, the symmetry in all of that, because the Lakers are at their best when they're playing quickly and and they can get points and bunches when they're playing at their best. But Mike sort of chirped back at you like, happy now, Pete, because it was that idea of like, and I was laughing because the team that the Lakers showed last night, that version of the Nets is not a good basketball team. They've got James Harden. Yeah, they're like a 400 to 500 team would be my guess. Yes. Especially if Harden's playing well. Last night, the Lakers played like the team that they've apparently been trying to tell us that they are, but have not shown that they actually are. And because they have not shown that they actually are, they have no equity with any of us. No one believes them. Right. And so, and that team is, is a team that has a fair amount of talent, that has a fair amount of burst and offensive explosion capabilities they've got a couple of really high-end players a player who can be high-end but needs certain circumstances in order to be it and that team is like yeah we're better than you and so we'll play well we'll go up by 10 we'll relax and maybe play it even for a little while we'll let our foot off the gas and we'll let you back in and then we'll take it right back and then we'll keep you at arm's length. Yeah. He, we've seen that version of the Lakers lots of times over the years. Mm-hmm. And the Nets game was the first one where I felt like, ah, yeah, that's what they were going for yeah. this entire time. Yep. When they blew leads to Oklahoma City. When they let these other bad teams all the way back in. Like, oh, hey, there you are. And so I was sort of thinking about that, that this sort of version of the Lakers in which we don't quite yet believe in them, right? But the way that they are now aligning themselves, just like you mentioned earlier, that does allow us to start to see the vision a little bit more. And I think with that vision, they will start to gain some equity, especially if they rack up a few wins or they play to a baseline level of expectation over the next five to 10 games or so. Well, and part of their ability to do that and, that ability to not play with your foot on the gas for all 48 minutes, it's not realistic in January. That's one of the things. There have been so many people, there have been so many tweets. Lord knows my bookmarks folder is full. So many people, I've been stunned by how many people have talked about this Lakers team in the past tense in January. And I'm like, have you ever followed a basketball season before? Have you ever, like, anyway. So that, what allows that to happen though, another thing that, uh, I didn't lead you know, lead with up top was we didn't play Trevor Ariza. Yeah. Not only didn't we did, did we not start him, he didn't play at all. And there's been an, another part of this season that really comes before any of the schemes, any of the other stuff is don't play and don't start your worst players. And we've got if there are 15 roster slots on the team, you can divide it into three teams, your first five, your second five and your your third five. We've got a really, really good first five. Our second five is young, but there's guys guys that have kind of ascended Stanley Johnson, uh, Austin Reeves, although Stanley started. We'll talk about that for sure. Um, 
our last five, our bottom five, are some of the worst third stringers in the NBA. I sent you a text about this the other day, like by, hey, if I had my way, this is sort of the alignment of the group here. And Uh I think what you're talking about is exactly that. Like the first, none is... None is the wild card guy. He hasn't played at all. You slot him into that first 10, but his impact on the team at this point is theoretic, right? But we've seen guys have gotten their chances. And in those chances, whether they're big or small, they have not performed very well. And that's, we had a long pot on Trevor Ariza. And Ariza now fits into that group. And so, the coaching staff said, seemingly, hey, like, yeah, we're going to start Stanley that. Johnson. And yeah. Ariza, you're not even going to like you're not even going to play. You went from starting to not playing. And he's the third dude on the team that has gone from starting to not playing. And mm-hmm. so Stanley now starting coming up. I love him end. on the ball against Harden. Talk yes. to me about that. I think that that I think. So Harden comes out gangbusters. Stanley picks up two quick fouls. Harden wins that first shift. It's it's Stanley versus Harden. But Stanley, I love how much energy he has. And when you – sorry, let me say that again. I love how much energy he has. And when you've got a guy with that level of athleticism with a motor like that, he's picking up Harden in the backcourt. And all of a sudden that 11-point first quarter or whatever it was where Stanley goes to the bench basically 90 seconds into the game, come that third and fourth quarter – one of the things that I think is true about this team is we want to drag the opponent into uncomfortable spaces. And one of the ways that we can do that is with fatigue. You got Stanley picking Harden up the whole game or for most of the game, full court, by that third and fourth quarter especially. And and when there's no other shot creator on the floor, it's hard to do that for an entire game. He can beat Stanley Johnson off the dribble. He's James Harden. It just requires effort over and over and over again in a way where by that third and fourth quarter, your legs aren't there. And all of a sudden, even if you got an open jumper, you're front rimming that when you were making that in the first quarter. Talk to me a bit about Stanley on the ball, because I think that that is a tremendous weapon that we can deploy going forward. The thing I like most about him beyond the physical tools, right, is one of the knocks on Stanley Johnson, his entire career to this point in the NBA, I think, or at least my knock on him is like, oh, you play like you're better than you actually are. Like mm. the idea mm-hmm. you have of yourself is just outsized. The Masai Ujiri quote of you are bad at basketball. It's almost as though somebody needed to tell Stanley Johnson that. Yeah. And look, I get it. You've talked about Stanley a bunch within the context of like, he's probably looked like this since high school, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, he's got grown man strength now and everything sure. else, but he's always been the bigger, stronger, faster dude. He was a man child in, in high school. Yeah. I'm sure he was dominating in high school. He was a lottery pick coming out of Arizona, right? So he was a five star recruit, right? One and done at Arizona. One and done, goes to the draft, is a top 10 pick. He is, he's got pedigree. He gets to the NBA and I'm guessing he's just like, yeah, man, I'm going to be I'm going to be one of those on ball wings that does everything. And we all know the NBA, that's not how that works. But that same sort of thing that I held against him is now working in his favor. It's an asset, Mm -hmm. right? Because he now is slotted into the appropriate sized role on a team where he knows he looks around and he's just like, "Okay, there's LeBron James. There's Russell Westbrook. 
there's Anthony Davis. I'm an L.A. kid. I'm playing for the Lakers. If there was anything that was going to position his mindset in the right direction for I'm a role player. I think these are the circumstances. And now he's bringing all that confidence and like I could play top level defense. I'm Stanley Johnson. I've been doing this my whole life. I've been shutting dudes down. That's what I do. And so that confidence he's bringing to on the ball stuff against Harden, I was loving the way that he was just like, nah, man, like I'm up in you. There Mm -hmm. was a couple of third quarter possessions, Pete, where he was just like, I'm just face guarding you. I don't care. I'm not going to let you catch the ball. You're you're not even going to have to work for it. He made Harden work for everything. And by the fourth quarter, that really paid off. Well, in the fourth quarter, LeBron got those two steals and one was an entry pass by Harden. And then LeBron goes down and dunks it. The next play, Harden is off the ball, and he's just sort of standing there. And Stanley Johnson is hugging him like it's an eighth-grade dance. He is right (laughs) there, just chest-to-chest with him. And Harden's just watching, and he's just like, oh, man. And there goes LeBron again, and now it's timeout. And then it's the hang dog. Like, this game's over. And that's when you win the game, is when the other team goes, all right, that's we're we're done for the night. Yes. And so Stanley didn't shut down James. No one's really going to shut down James Harden. But I thought the resiliency that he even showed, like, I got two quick fouls. Like, nah, man, next time I come back out, I'm playing the same exact way. Like, if you get me with another cheap one or the refs call this, like, I don't care. I'm on it. I'm going to play my 20 minutes tonight. And every 20 minutes, I'm and for every single minute of those 20, I'm going to compete. So Stanley impressed me. And the change in the starting lineup impressed me. It was something that I thought, all right, the Lakers now see it. This is the path. And, and so let's go to break here, Pete, because on the other end of this, that path, I want to get into Anthony Davis and how he showed why he is the driver in a lot of ways for the path that this team is now on. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So Pete, just talk to me about Anthony Davis. First game back, I thought he looked great, but I want to hear your thoughts. Starts out with a quick six points, ends it with eight, right? His offensive game kind of went away as as the game went on, and he was certainly still getting his legs. But that guy defensively, we were switching, even with the starters. He ended up on Harden, even amidst that first, first quarter. But his, I'm going to use my length on the perimeter, then drop down to block a shot, then close out to the perimeter and slide my feet. 
there was a mobility to AD last night defensively that is essential to this team being able to be great. And I just defensively, we talked, you know, we talked so much about the shapeshifters with LeBron and AD. That's one of the things that AD can be. And earlier in the year, in part because we had such small guys around him, he had to be that interior presence because nobody else could be to any reasonable degree. Seeing him deployed on the perimeter, seeing him out on those rim runs, there was a play early in the game where we went up like 5-4. LeBron had a, a transition layup where I'll, I'll post it uh, on, on Twitter today where it was it illustrated the value of Russ LeBron and AD in transition where like Russ got an interior rebound AD had switched out to the perimeter and just kept going which is going to be a thing that's it's so simple but Harden and so he contests uh, an elbow jumper from Harden Harden falls down and that puts everybody with back responsibility for Brooklyn and like oh shit like that's AD on a rim run and he takes he takes two Russ gets an interior rebound and pushes it we had four guys next to him, or it was Russ and three other guys with AD as the guy on the rim run. And we still turned it into a fast break opportunity because Russ caught it and went and Russ as and, and LeBron, as soon as he saw that, starts flying down the wing. So Russ pushes it right up the middle of the floor. AD's on the rim run and everybody forgets about LeBron and he just dumps it off onto the wing. And now LeBron's got a head of steam and Kessler Edwards, who had been back trying to check Anthony Davis, now turns around and sees that freight train coming at him. And so AD's, AD's mobility and his, his speed and agility, all of those things – seeing that version of him defensively more so and of course he still gets four blocks but that agility was i i loved his defensive game and that is what we need from him the most is that just absolutely dominant defender there is nobody more fun in the nba defensively when he's on and locked in than anthony davis and who was that guy last night what did you see i saw a guy with remarkable timing for a dude who hasn't played in as long as he played mm, great point yeah. And there is a defensive timing that he showed all the bounciness and the springiness and the like, oh, look at that. There you are. You're Anthony Davis. Like, no, man, some of those blocks that he got, if he has just a split second worst timing, he just careens into a dude and knocks and him down foul. and it's a foul. Mm -hmm. And so he got Harden on a block where it was a semi-transition play and Harden tried to Euro THT, THT goes high hands and just keeps retreating. And AD just sort of just like, yep, swat that away. And it was that idea of, okay, I'm just going to drop my hips. I'm going to slide one step and I'm just going to block this like it's nothing. And honestly, the thing I thought to myself was the Lakers haven't had a big dude who could do that since AD went away and now he's back and it's just like, oh, it's back. Yeah. He had a play where he closed out against, I want to say it was Bembry, maybe. Close out to the right wing. Bembry tries to attack top foot, so he drives middle. And AD just drops his hip and mm -hmm. then closes down the stance, reaches in, pokes it away, dives over the top oh, yeah. and gets a steal. Uh -huh. Right? Uh -huh. And it's just it's like, this come like, on, man. Like, yeah. oh, man, look, it's you. Well, it's like that Baysmore, the you know how Mike recorded the clips of AD working out, and it was like, oh, Bays can't even get a shot up. And I know that's Bays, but that type of defensive player, when AD is on, Darius, like 
And that's who we need him to be in exchange for like less of an ask on the offensive end. I think if he dedicates his resources to that man, we're we're in business. Well, I love this quote after the game, man, like about offense. He was like, yeah, I saw what we were doing on offense when I was out, a lot of five out principles. And so I was just trying to do that. I wasn't trying to force. He did that with Alvin Gentry in New Orleans. He wasn't trying to force my shot or do a lot of ISO stuff. Right. And so first play that they run for him is a set play. Right. They do a bunch of ball motion, ultimately just to get into an empty corner side pick and roll between him and LeBron. LeBron takes the entire team with him and AD just sort of jumps even before the ball is thrown and then gets gets a lob dunk. That's great. His second possession post entry. Right. And so it's just like, okay, back to AD little post up. Turn, face, jab step, pull up jumper. Right. It's just like, oh, man, look at Anthony Davis. He's looking he's looking kind of good. Like he ain't missed time, time at all. But all that offense stuff went away. And then he was mostly just moving the ball. He was screening and rolling, wasn't getting a lot of touches. He had a great exchange with Russ. Russ gave him the lob and then AD like missed missed a dunk. Right. And, and so but he took eight shots, I think. Mm-hmm. Right. One three. He was three for seven from two. He could have been four for seven, right? But it's just like, okay, he took eight shots in 20-something minutes. What stood out to me most, though, was just like, okay, well, this dude is so good. He's so good. And so even at this version where he's not looking to take up a bunch of usage, where he is just sort of being a defensive-minded player, that dude's incredible. It's just Mm -hmm. like, okay, there's... There, here's some Clint Capella cosplay for you. Look how I perform doing that sort of impersonation. When he gets back to being Anthony Davis, where it's just like, oh, this dude is a 22 and 10 guy, and he's rolling hard to the rim. If the jumper starts to fall, like, that's the thing. I was listening to J.J. Redick talk, like, earlier during the day, like, AD's return, AD's return. It's, it's been a storyline. And J.J. rightfully pointed out the same thing that we talked about on yesterday's pod. AD hasn't hit jumpers at all this season, at all. Yeah. And so if the jumper starts to even fall at career rate levels, forget yep, the just bubble. Just do what you've already done. Forget yeah. the bubble levels, right, which were Kevin Durant levels. We don't mm-hmm. expect him to be that guy. Just right. hit them at career norms, and he's going to be an unbelievable player for this team. And so it was great to see AD back on the floor. I thought – the slotting that he allowed to take place, even within a shortened minute load, was exactly what the Lakers needed. And so let's go to break again here because I want to talk a little bit more about like what comes next. Because there's an interesting stretch of games that's coming up starting tomorrow with Philly. And are the Lakers primed now? So let's go to break and then we'll come back. Got Joel Embiid, who's playing some of the best basketball of his career, and the Philadelphia 76ers coming up on Thursday. I am fascinated to see how we approach that game. Embiid and the bigger, the true fives. Those are the guys that that are, you know, 260 and above around the league, are have historically been the players that give AD the most problems. It's also going to be extremely important that we figure out how we approach, how we want to approach those types of players. I do think the Lakers are primed to go on a run. It's 
now or never time for me in, in terms of it's time to go on one of those regular season type of runs. The other factor that only time can fix is that this group Last night was the first time this group really played together with a Stanley Johnson, with a closing lineup of Stanley and Austin Reeves. Man, so many things went right yesterday. So many things were like, oh, we've been wanting to see that and really came to fruition. And what does that look like in game 10 as opposed to game one? Against a team like Philadelphia, how we approach the true fives will be very telling. um, And it's going to be one of the riddles that we have to solve over the course of the season. If we leave AD to bang with Joel Embiid, mostly one-on-one, that's going to be a recipe for foul trouble for AD physically wearing down if you do that a lot over the course of the season. I'm curious, do you still see a team that is going to switch? We're going to do a whole pod on switching and when to switch. A guy like Joel Embiid is right in the middle of that, like, how do you approach a team that's big and physical all over the place. You've got uh, Matisse Thybul and Tobias Harris is a big guy. They got Drummond, right? They're a team that wants to win on their physicality. So in order to go on one of those types of runs, I think Philly is going to be a tougher matchup for us. So I'm, I'm curious to see what we do. What is the approach to these bigger teams? How do we navigate this kind of smaller world where now we're on the other side of the coin. We used to be that big team that was matched up against the small ball squads. And now it's a little bit different. I still just think that this is where coaching for an individual game and how you try to beat a specific opponent, I think, is going to be more important to the Lakers, even as they get their guys back. And so I don't think they're going to switch a lot against the 76ers. Like, I just don't think that that's necessarily the way that you want to manage any game against them i don't think you want to say like oh well we're gonna run pick and rolls with our our shooting guard right or seth curry or handoff actions and then switch ad out to defend seth curry while avery bradley gets to try to deal with Embiid, and then you maybe and then you maybe scram him out and then he ends up on tobias harris maybe even a guy like harris is going to kill you remember he hit that game winner over caruso in part because we were small yeah so i think that this is where ad being able to play in drop coverages matters and honestly like look the weakest part of joel Embiid's game even though he's gotten better at it is still dealing with the double teams and so yeah like i don't care if it's ad on him necessarily still strategically send a double every now and then see how Embiid handles that right when it's Anthony Davis and then maybe that's LeBron James coming to double is he guarding Tybal? sure there are places to help off of there there's a lot of different strategy stuff that goes into it now again this is operating on the edges of what Frank Vogel would prefer to do he doesn't want double team anyone he wants to play every two-man action as two on two so that he could stay home and get back to shooters. And and so there's going to be a lot of this sort of navigating what is the best way to play with some of these these guys. But I can tell you that I'm going to hopefully enjoy watching Stanley Johnson like go in there and help sandwich rebound and put a second body on, on Embiid. And the asks of a guy like Anthony Davis against Embiid are going to be like, look, man, you're as good or better than him. I know that Embiid is an MVP candidate, but you're Anthony Davis. Like, I don't know what to say about any of this. Like, you're the dude that two years ago, they were talking about you as a top five player in the league. And now they've shifted that conversation to Jokic 
deservedly, who won an MVP, and Embiid, deservedly, who was in the MVP conversation this year, but you're still Anthony Davis. I know it's only your second game back, but go out there and compete and play your game and see where that gets you. I think you're going to be fine. And so I don't want to say like, oh, I'm like super confident about what the Lakers are now. They've got Anthony Davis, right? But it's like things are slotting appropriately now and things are falling in to place. Like now is the time, just like you were saying, show me what you've got, compete now. And Honestly, that was the thing that I was actually impressed about with the Brooklyn game is that there were longer stretches where this team competed and they competed because they were confident, I felt like. Like, this is, our team is back. And this is something LeBron's been talking about. Like, we ain't had our guys. Well, now you got all your guys. Kendrick Nunn ain't played all season. He might as well right. not be on the team. I know, I know he's on the bench. I've no, liked no, his I outfits, right? Mm-hmm. He, like, <laughs> uh-huh. But he hasn't played. He hasn't played since the preseason. He is not technically someone that you can rely on at this point. This is the group. These are the guys. They should feel confident because this is the team that they think can win. On the on the topic of competing, uh, yes and no in yesterday's game. Sure. The offensive rebounding. I must have said the F word watching that game more times than ever before. Part of... Part of my intensity in last night's game, you guys got a lot of those F words in the uh, in the text thread was was that feeling that we got our guys. We are aligned. We're you know running the schemes that match the personnel defensively. Let's go, man. And watching us give up offensive rebound after offensive rebound after offensive rebound. That's part of the competing that is one of our biggest problems. If we rebound the way that we did in yesterday's game, we're going to lose very important games just strictly as a function of that for all of the boxes that Stanley Johnson does check. And he's just been this gift from the basketball gods that we got this athletic forward, which was exactly, you know, with a high motor, that's exactly what we need. He's not a very good rebounder, which isn't to put all of this on him, but AD only had a couple of rebounds in that game. Watching that happen over and over and over again. This is one of the, in terms of personnel, I think we need one more guy who just kind of has the instinct to get long rebounds. Westbrook is more of an interior rebounder, and he's been very helpful in in that respect. But just seeing so many threes hit the back of the rim and bounce out right to the free throw line and actually hit the ground and no actual Laker being there, that's like the guard and perimeter responsibilities for rebounding. And then around the basket, a lot of our old guys, we give up so many possessions, D, where it's like, three or four offensive rebounds on the same play. And those are the real like spirit killers, especially as a fan where you're like freaking jump, you know? And that's the thing with our old guys is once the other team starts bouncing off of the ground for all of those boards, we're just like, yep, this one's ending in a, in a putback and they, they just turn off. They don't, they don't jump for those. Our rebounding as as fun as that game was, this has been an ongoing problem throughout the season, in particular with the small lineups. Vogel, you pointed out the other day, was very much like, no, 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 we don't have to give up all of these rebounds the way that we do. We will give up some as a function of the size discrepancy. The ones that bounce out to the free throw line, if you're a small team, that's your territory that we got to cover distance. We got to go track this down. How do do we address this? I mean, some of it is just the instincts of the players, man. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. So I could rattle off every single perimeter player that's on the team and I could tell you what they're most inclined to do right at the end of a defensive possession. Austin Reeves mm-hmm. is going to box you out. Malik Monk is going to look for a transition opportunity and he is going to leak out. And Avery Bradley 
is going to be like, oh, well, I just contested this shot. Let me just sort of turn and watch. And so that's already three guys right there. THT is sort of a mix of Bradley and Monk. And he can't he can't really jump that much from a standing position too, like that alley-oop. Yes. That would normally be a, a, a dunk. but So he can put a body on someone and sometimes does that. But in terms of getting, helping, you know, 10, 11 feet above the rim, it's not going to happen. But I'm just saying that if, so I only played high school basketball, whatever. You get taught to close down the foul line. It's like what you're taught from the earliest stages mm-hmm. of playing organized hoops. It's like, you're a guard, you close down the foul line. And our guards don't do that. They don't close down the foul line. They just don't. They look for something else to do. And that something else to do can be super helpful at times. And look, this is something that plagued the Lakers last season too with some of their regular guards. Mm-hmm. It's just that Caruso was more like Reeves. And, but he played more. And so Caruso would chase down those long rebounds. Rondo was actually pretty good at chasing down those, Rondo's those, always those been very long good rebounds, right? Mm-hmm. But KCP was leaked out a ton. Kuz was leaked out a ton. And so this is something that's just sort of in the wiring a little bit for some of their players. And I don't know how to solve it per se. Teams are taking more threes. There's more long rebounds. You, you have to drill it. Yeah, it's – I think – it's a weird thing to think we need to acquire a long rebounder at the trade deadline. It's such a small and specific thing, but I think that I think we're a forward short uh, of of what we need ideally, and it doesn't have to be a, a a big name at the trade deadline. I think it's a rotation caliber player, but I think when I look at this team, that's what we're missing. And I would like a big you know physical complement to Stanley. Stanley's that athletic, rangy but skinny defender. I think somebody who's a little more physical and bruising and can win some of those rebounding matchups uh, is important. But just having one more guy whose instinct is to drift toward the free throw line or go toward the ball or help on the boards. That said, though, there's a reason why Malik Monk is leaking out. We've loved all those breakaway fast break dunks yeah. and you know transition threes and things like that. So it's part of what we do. And then the other our opponents are watching tape on us, right? Just like we have advanced scouts watching them. They've got the same going for us. They're going, oh, if you just send guys to the boards, you're going to get offensive rebounds on the Lakers. You're going to get some cheap, easy, free points as a result of that. But when you don't get the ball, all of a sudden, three of your guys defensively are right around the basket. And the reason why Malik Monk and other guys leak out is because you have freaking LeBron James and Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook all able to facilitate transition opportunities so there is a balance between like i don't want like no more leak outs or anything like that but i do think we need one more player whose instinct is to scramble around and just kind of clean up those long boards yeah i mean look the lakers aren't going to get this guy but a guy like pj tucker right like an out of area rebounder and there's a difference between an out of area rebounder and a guy who's not like that right and Mm -hmm. tucker is a guy that races all over the floor to try to chase down a ball that it's just like okay i'm reading this it's going off of the rim it's going to go that way mm-hmm. i'm going to go run over there and get it because Let's it's go not going to come to me that's right and the lakers don't have a lot of guys where that's their instinct they just don't they also don't have a lot of guys whose instinct is to actually box you out yeah yeah you're small you're not boxing out you're not jumping and you're not chasing out of area rebounds it's a bad mix well you know it's just like 
I look at a guy even like Dwight Howard, who's led the league in rebounding. He's not a I'm going to put a body on on you guy necessarily. Dwight's been a guy who's touching the top of the backboard for like the most of his it. career, right? So yeah. he's just like, oh, I'm just going to jump and grab it. And you know who else has been like that? LeBron James and Anthony Davis. These guys are number one overall picks. They've been elite athletes their entire lives. They're like, oh, there's the ball. I'm just going to jump. No one can mess with me, right? But that's not always going to work. And some of this, too, is just like, okay, well, it'll be nice when AD is playing 35 minutes a game instead of 25, right? Because 10 extra minutes of him on the court is going to allow for fewer of those minutes where it's a guy LaMarcus Aldridge's size tipping up balls against a guy who's Carmelo Anthony's size. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and, and that so makes a big difference. It does. And so some of this is more just like, okay, well, give me more of that, please. Give me more of Anthony Davis. And that's getting back to him because we opened the pod sort of talking about that is it's just nice to have this dude back. So nice. Like we talked about it in theory in yesterday's pod, but it's a three-star team. Whatever you think of Russell Westbrook, it's a three-star team. And one of the stars has been out for a long time. Jeannie, our wonderful producer, tweeted out that graphic where it was like, okay, well, here's all of the games that the team has played. Yellow is Russ, blue is AD, and purple is LeBron. And it's little just boxes that are colored. And it represents which games that they appeared in. And there was no more than three games in a row have they all appeared in together. First three games of the season, and then boom, someone's out. It's just like, okay, they're out a couple of games. They come back. Oh, two games here, two games there, three games here, three games there. And it's just like, okay, and then you get to 15, and then it's like, no more. And now we just got the blue score back. Here's Anthony Davis again. And so if the Lakers are going to go on a run, it's going to be because, like, okay, it's finally starting to coalesce some. They need their minutes. They need their time together. And they need his skill set. And it was great to see that on display, even if just for 25 minutes against the Nets. So exciting. So great to have him back. And so great to see the team really on track and, and getting healthy. We'll be back tomorrow to talk a little more. Curious what we'll cover tomorrow. we got a couple of different options. So much to talk about. We'll cover as much of it as we can here on the Laker Film Room Podcast. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Here by McLeod. Three seconds left. Bad next to the winner. It's on the way. A lot of Laker fans stick around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance in Boston. Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, miss it. Unbelievable. For the victory. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. 
That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.